This is She Sparks Tech, a podcast about women who take technology to heart in their careers. We will explore stories about women who think creatively, find new directions, solve problems, and chase passions, all through technology. I'm your host, Casey Bertelsman, and I'm excited about showcasing amazing women in their careers, from dreams to the unexpected, in hopes of inspiring each of us to think bigger. In this episode, I'm speaking with Chelsea Wellmer, the Palm Oil and Conservation Program Coordinator at the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo. Her primary work covers conservation as it relates to palm oil and the habitats where it's grown. Chelsea is much better at describing her work than I am, so I'll let her cover the details. Let's jump in as she tells us about her work and how we can all make a difference with our own actions. Chelsea, can you give a rundown of your current position and what brought you to it? Yeah, so I work at the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo as the Palm Oil and Conservation Programs Coordinator, and I landed in that position after having worked uh, at another zoo, and um, prior to that zoo, a couple other jobs that were uh, related to or focused on conservation efforts, and at the time, it was um, all about teaching people about conservation, conservation action, what they can do to help the planet. And I saw the opening at Cheyenne Mountain Zoo to specifically focus on palm oil, and it was exciting, and I went for it. That's cool. So did you have um, an education that prepared you for conservation, or um, it was just a passion and something you went after? Yeah, so that's, that's a question I get a lot, and I always feel a little bad about the answer because, uh, For education, I don't. And the reason I feel bad is because uh, the field I work in is incredibly competitive. And there's a lot of people out there who do have backgrounds uh, in, you know, the proper education for this. The reason I got into the field, um, it was kind of, I would say, just happy incidences where um, I, after college, I had joined the Peace Corps and in, in the interim of actually leaving for my Peace Corps assignment, I had gotten a uh, part-time temporary job teaching people about uh, largely science-based classes. And so the skill set I gained was taking like science and complex subjects and bringing it down and making it so that folks who didn't have a science background or any background in what I was talking about understand it. And that was a skill that was uh, really valuable to the comp- or the companies and the nonprofits I've now worked for. Um, but in terms of my education, I actually, I got a triple major in art history, archeology span and classics. So nothing, nothing to do with technology, nothing to do with science. I did go to a, a college that is known for its engineering and for its medicine. So actually all of my friends and my husband who I met in college have more tech backgrounds than I do. So sometimes I also like to think that just because I was, you know, living with them and and hanging out with them um, through some type of weird osmosis, I kind of uh, picked up a little bit of the lingo, but uh, traditionally I don't have any formal training. uh, So really it was, it was just through hands-on activities that got me to this point. That's, it's an exciting way to get there though. Um, Because you have people who even, you know, 10, 20 years into their career, like, okay, I need to change. And it's not a, 
necessarily you need to go to school for it. You have to find the right stepping stones to get there. Yeah, it was, I think it was actually really exciting for me. Um, growing up, I, I had, you know, a really great education, but most of that education was focused on a lot of like English and literature and history and art, and none of it was really STEM focused. And uh, not that I had any control of that. I was a child, but I just didn't really understand anything about it. And then happened to go to a school that had a lot of focuses on uh, STEM and tech and everything. And uh, part of me sometimes is like, I wish I could go back and, and go back to school, like be an 18 year old walking onto campus for the first time with all of these um, really cool opportunities that I was able to get during my college experience and maybe try some tech related things. But then sometimes I think about it and I'm like, well, you know, my experiences are what got me here today. Uh, so I don't want to change any of that, but it definitely showed me that like, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into just one field at all. Yeah. Can you tell me some of the responsibilities that you have in your role? Yeah, so as the, the Pommel and Conservation Programs Coordinator, um, it's, it's kind of a variety of things. Um, so focusing on palm oil, I should probably just give a little description of that first and what that is and why it matters. Um, <clears throat> so palm oil is an edible vegetable oil. It's in about 50% of the stuff you can buy from the grocery store. Everything from like food that you would eat to cleaning products. Uh, I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's even I found out recently it's in toilet paper. Um, when they actually make recycled toilet paper, they use palm oil derivatives in the cleaning process from like the recycled pulp they're using. Um, so palm oil and its derivatives are in a ton of stuff. And what where palm oil comes from is actually tropical regions, and that's why it's a conservation issue. Um, that's why the zoo I work for cares about it. It's primarily grown in Southeast Asia. About 84% of all palm oil is grown in Indonesia and Malaysia right now. Those are the main, the main exporters of palm oil. And you know, these are incredibly biodiverse, rich areas, um, animals, plants, you know, just this natural, beautiful rainforest. And uh, the Shine Mountain Zoo in particular is caring for two species of orangutan, Sumatran and Bornean orangutan. And they're kind of one of the you know, poster animals for palm oil, um, just because historically palm oil has been grown in their natural habitat. It's resulted in a lot of deforestation. Um, and I say historically because historically it wasn't grown sustainably, but there's been a big shift um, in the last two decades, I would say, to make sure that it's grown sustainably and that we're sourcing sustainable palm oil. So that's where my job comes in. Um, I kind of monitor the situation. I work with companies to encourage them to source sustainable palm oil. And there's different levels of sustainability there. And I also connect our visitors and followers with this conservation topic and empower them to uh, do their part to try to contribute to a more sustainable um, you know, supply chain. And one of the, actually, I think the most interesting parts of my job is the Shine Mountain Zoo actually created a sustainable, a sustainable palm oil shopping guide app and it allows users to scan barcodes of products they want to buy. And when they scan it, it'll tell them whether or not uh, the product is sustainable. Like it's, if it's made by a company that's committed to sustainable palm oil, and then we rank those companies who are committed based on you know, how far they are in their journey to 100% sustainable palm oil. And it also allows consumers to um, email some of those companies and say, hey, great job. You're doing, you know, you're doing great work. We want to continue to see that. Or even email some companies who have just started 
uh, their journey towards 100% sustainable palmolive to say things like, hey, like we're so happy you made this first step, but like you need to, you know, keep progressing because we want to see you, um, you know, have the best sustainable supply chain that you possibly can. Uh, and the app has been downloaded all over. Um, I would say the, it's been downloaded actually all over the world. Right now, it really only works in the United States and Canada. That's what we designed it for. Um, but it's it's gotten a lot of uh, global interest as well. And it's it's really fun to connect people to that conservation action. Yeah, it makes it accessible and easy to use and interactive in a way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a little bit about the app. What kind of role have, do you have with it? I imagine you weren't the one that like fully created it. You came in after that, but do you have any interaction with the app in like your day-to-day kind of work? Yeah, absolutely. So you're correct. I wasn't the one that created it, um, though I'd love that skill set. <laughs> <laughs> so the app was created before I started my position and it just kind of grew and our whole Pommel program grew to the point where uh, they needed someone to come in and manage it. So that's where I came in. So my interaction with the app is I'm the one who primarily works in it. If there's ever an incidence where we need to like um, update some of the, the software, if you know there's like a Apple or, or you know Google Play update or something um, that needs to be done, I can't do that yet. Um, but I'm the one who rates the companies. I'm the one who adds companies to the app. I can take companies out if they um, are no longer committed to sustainable palm oil. Uh, so basically I'm the one who, who manages it all. And I find um, basically all the, the little connections I need to, to, to put a company in the app and then make it so that consumers can scan the company's barcodes and the correct information pops up. Um, so that being said, it's, it's like the, the basis of the app is we're, we're focusing on companies who are certified sustainable by the roundtable on sustainable palm oil. It's a certification body. Uh, it's a nonprofit that is working out of Southeast Asia primarily. Um, and they have over 4,000 members now. And in, in the U.S. and Canada, they have something like, you know, 500 plus members. And so we're talking about 500 plus companies that I'm kind of keeping tabs on and um, putting into our app to, to make them accessible to consumers. What would be a couple of those companies that people would recognize really easily, you think? Yeah. Oh, gosh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much uh, a lot of the major companies, I think, have gotten more on board with sustainable palm oil. So um, some of like the big companies like PepsiCo, for example, um, and also Coca-Cola, which I like to mention because a lot of people don't really, you know, when they think of PepsiCo and they think of Coca-Cola, they don't think of maybe a product that would contain palm oil. Um, But some of those companies own, um, you know, smaller brand names that, that you wouldn't know are owned by them. Like, for example... Uh, Coca-Cola has this new um, arm where they have this this coffee brand, and I believe they also probably make um, some like baked goods with this coffee brand, and that would include palm oil in it. Um, and then also uh, beyond food, there's companies like Clorox Company, so really popular right now. Uh, and Clorox, you know, not only are they probably using palm oil and palm oil derivatives in their cleaning agents, but they also own Hidden Valley Ranch dressing, for example. Um, so there's this wide, 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 wow, wide world of brands out there that uh, are are certified sustainable. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones off the top of my head. Starbucks is one of them. Uh, Burger King, Domino's, uh, Krispy Kreme. Those are some like popular, just, you know, fast food options. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but really, you could you could honestly show me any company, and I could right off the top of my <laughs> whether or not it's it's certified sustainable in terms of its palm oil use. Yeah. So whether or not it's something that you're actively aware of, it's part of your life in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess unless you're buying just eggs and flour and making everything yourself, but that's not yeah. the majority of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and the funny thing too is. Um, I think a lot of people when they're first learning about palm oil and they're kind of um, exploring what it means to, to use sustainable palm oil and unsustainable palm oil and the differences between the two, there's a really big focus on the product itself. And what our app does is, you know, I could buy, for example, a, you know, a cookie from a company and there's no palm oil or palm oil derivatives in that cookie, but maybe they make another cookie that has palm oil or palm oil derivatives in the product. And, you know, even if I'm not buying that one product, my money is still supporting the company. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're supporting companies that are doing the right thing, regardless of what specific product we're buying. And then um, what I always like to tell people is that palm oil and, and derivatives, they go by over 600 different names. Um, this is actually a, a finding that was just recently published by uh, NASPON, the North American Sustainable Palm Oil Network. Um, and they did this big study and, it, and it's pretty incredible. And a lot of the names, like most of the names are not intuitive. It, it doesn't have the word palm or oil in it. Um, it's a lot of chemical names that I think even someone who is super involved in the industry wouldn't be able to memorize all 600 plus of these. So they've created a really great database. But it, what that means basically is that someone can't just pick up a product and read the ingredients list necessarily and be like, oh, this has palm oil, this doesn't. And then even if they were able to do that, you know, is does the company have palm oil elsewhere? And how are we supporting this company? So um, my job is to make it easier for consumers to, you know, do the right thing in terms of, in terms of palm oil and um, protecting really important tropical areas. How do you see technology used in your role and maybe similar roles in conservation? Absolutely. So in my role, I mean, I think, you know, the app we use is a great form of technology that allows us to just reach so many people. Um, it's It just makes it easy. And I think when I think about conservation action, I think one of the best things that conservationists can do when they're giving an action to someone who cares and wants to make changes is to make it easy for them. Um, If we make it too difficult, too insurmountable, you know, someone might be able to commit to doing that change for a day or two, maybe even a week, but eventually they're going to give up on it. So to make it something that's like easy for them to understand and to to do is um, invaluable right now in terms of conservation efforts. Um, Because I think so often conservation uh, while it's really well intentioned, it can uh, be really overwhelming and cause a bit of like an existential crisis. Like when you start digging into everything that we're doing as humans, and you're thinking like, oh my God, like my water use, my electrical use, the supply chain of all the food products that I buy and all the, the cleaning products that I buy. And I just drove my car today. And like, it, it can be really overwhelming. And I think um, if it gets too overwhelming, then people don't want to participate anymore. Um, And not everyone's perfect, obviously. And and that's the thing is people just kind of need to participate uh, in conservation action imperfectly. But um, apps like ours are are really good at doing that. And then, you know, in in the palm oil industry, I think we're seeing some really cool uses of technology. Like 
one of my favorites recently um, that's been coming about is it's called Starling. It's this new uh, collaboration between Airbus and Earthworm Foundation, previously known as um, the Forest Trust. And basically they're using optical and radar, radar satellites to monitor forest cover. And they're able to look at, you know, a, a tropical forest and they can say like, this was what the tropical forest looked like six months ago, a week ago, et cetera. And this is what it looks like now. And we can pinpoint any areas of deforestation. And then it also uh, is able to differentiate between like natural forest cover and, you know, like a tree crop cover. So like oil palms, the tree that pommel fruits come from, for example, you know, if you look at it from above, it might look like just more trees and forests, but uh, it's not, it's not natural forest necessarily. So they're able to kind of track all of this movement of how you know different commodities are grown around the world, which I think is really fascinating. Um, and then the other area of technology actually recently that I think is really cool is using blockchain technology. And I talk about this and like, you know, I just know service level stuff for my, for my own job. I'm not actually involved in these fields currently, but um, you know, my understanding of, of how they want to use blockchain technology is um, it's, it's been popular, popularized by Bitcoin, and basically they would be able to track um, every single movement of, you know, palm fruit, and then once it goes to the mill to get processed and, and expressed and turned into an oil or derivative, and then from there going to, a, you know, a manufacturer who might turn it into a product to our to our grocery stores, um, and that's a little bit of an oversimplified uh, route that palm oil would take, but this blockchain technology would track it every single step of the way. And so you'd be able to scan, you know, the cookies that you buy and it would tell you, yeah, this contains palm oil that was grown in this very particular re region of Malaysia, for example, and it went to this mill and to this, you know, consumer or to manufacturer and was made into a consumer product. Um, so I think that's going to be a really cool type of technology um, just to connect, you know, what we're doing to how it's affecting other areas of the planet and where it's coming from, because I think a lot of people don't know that about you know, what they're consuming or buying right now. And it's something that we should know. Yeah. And you could see potentially the environmental impacts of that mill or the manufacturer, if that was something mm -hmm. that um, I guess they were willing to share or someone was recording as needed. Uh, and then you can take it from food to clothes to cars to mm -hmm. whatever pieces you wanted to see and have the understanding of all the pieces of the impact instead of just maybe the one location that they want to tell you about. Exactly. That's a really cool way to, to think about it. I hadn't thought about it from like a fruit perspective. I thought about it from some clothes, but I like that. Yeah. Awesome. No, I mean, really in everything, uh, you know, so much focus, at least what I see is on palm oil. Um, so, you know, this, this fruit that comes from this type of palm tree, but I mean, all the commodities, coffee, tea, um, really anything you consume food-wise. And then, I mean, gems, you know, there's been a lot of um, focus on that industry and, and precious metals, like the, you know, microchips, they're using coltan, which is a lot of times mined in Central Africa. And mm -hmm. so there's just so many products these days and it's incredible to think about where they come from now that we're kind of a more global society. Yeah. And you start seeing how you're able to track it and mm -hmm. push that forward. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, 
So you do some of the management for the app um, for that and other work you do. What kind of softwares do you see yourself using um, for workflow or efficiency or anything like that? Yeah, so the softwares I'm using, um, again, as not as not someone who doesn't really have a background in tech, um, you know, I think a lot of times I'm just kind of like passively using various software without really understanding what it is or where it comes from, um, which thank you to all the tech people for making it easy for folks like me to <laughs> grasp of and understand. Um, right now, uh, I mean, the app is pretty straightforward. Um, it's, it's based in like a... Um, my PHP admin software uh, that I use predominantly. And then there's a little bit of coding involved. It's just like basic HTML coding. Um, I always like to joke with my colleagues because a lot of my colleagues, uh, they you know don't really fully understand um, some of the tech stuff. And I'm like, it's really easy, I promise you. Like if I sat down and taught you, you could learn it. Um, but especially, you know, people around my age, I always joke like, you know, did you have a MySpace? Like if you were using MySpace and you did any type of HTML coding or or CSS to like change your background in MySpace. Like you could do this. <laughs> it's kind of like the gateway to coding. Um, but I always tell them that, you know, they'll, they'll be able to get a handle on it. So, I mean, the app, like I've just been taught how to use, it. I don't know the backbones of it, but then beyond the app um, right now, I think one of the things that my role is focusing on is being able to just um, spread knowledge to other like-minded institutions. So, you know, Shine Mountain Zoo has created a lot of really great resources surrounding palm oil and other conservation uh, topics. I mean, we're involved in, in a lot of different things, but in palm oil specifically, um, you know, if there is another a, a zoo or an aquarium or you know a rehab center or some type of environmental nonprofit that wants to kind of get involved in, in palm oil awareness and education, we want them to be able to have the tools that they need and not necessarily start from scratch. Like if we've done all this work, you know, you should be able to take our work and expand upon it, um, not, you know, do your own thing. And then it's like, everyone's working really, really hard and we don't necessarily need to. So um, recently I've also been working on um, a, building a website for uh, pretty much anyone who wants to use to use it to house all of the different pummel resources that we can gather, not only from our zoo, um, but from other interested parties and kind of putting in this like one big space toolkit resource center that anyone can use. Um, so I think what a lot of zoos are doing in, in my role is just making our work more accessible. Um, so that's the website or, I mean, the app makes conservation action more accessible. Um, anything that we can do like that, uh, again, I'm not, not super tech focused, um, but really recently I was really proud of myself. I was able to like lift some code and and work on this website and put it in. And I was like really impressed because I didn't know I could do that. So <laughs> what I try to focus on with the She Sparks Tech podcast is like a combination of tech literacy and how you're using what's been put out there and the creation of it, because we have more people using it than we do creating it. And there are so many different things you can do with it and implementing it that way. So even if you're not the one that created the app, you're maintaining it, you do little snippets of code and you see how you're capable of doing it and putting it together. And that's the goal is seeing, like showing people that even if you aren't great at it, you can probably still figure it out. Absolutely. And I love that. And it's like, you know, me learning how to do this. I'm hoping, um, you know, and, and through a podcast like this, 
it, it inspires me to honestly go out there and learn more about tech and, um, you know, look into to different areas. I can take maybe some like online, free online classes to do more. And all it will do is make me a better conservationist and, and more versatile and, you know, the impact that I can have in my roles. So I think, um, again, you know, like I said earlier, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself. Like you're making yourself more versatile and, and understanding, you know, just as complicated and widespread as the palm oil supply chain is, our skill should also be as complicated and widespread and being able to do lots of things. I love. Yeah. Well, and just because you learn how to do some code doesn't mean you're going to dump this and go start coding websites from scratch or video games from scratch or apps. Um, (laughs) That's not the intention. It's to put those skills to use Mm -hmm. doing what you like to do, whether, you know, it is this or it pivots to something else, Um, but making it representative of something beyond the stereotypical tech industry. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Let's see. So when I asked you to join me as a guest on a podcast talking about women using technology, um, did you have like a reaction or a first impression to that question? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of my reactions is like, you know, we should be talking about women in tech all the time. I think <laughs> why weren't we talking in about this 20 years ago when I was, you know, in school uh, and why didn't I have these role models? And so I was really actually excited when I found out about your podcast and um, being able to to showcase women who are, are using tech or creating tech and how they can do it. Um, and I was like, this, this space should exist and, and I'm glad it does. Um, so thank you for highlighting it and um, we need to continue to highlight it. So you've got a great podcast here. Thank you. Yeah, it's, those are some really cool directions. Um, I think those are the majority of questions I have. Do you feel like there's anything I should have asked but didn't? Um, I think the other big question I feel should always be asked um, and covered is, you know, I kind of briefly explained like what palm oil is. Um, and I think when, when people first hear about palm oil, their first instinct is to be like, why don't we just boycott it? Um, so why do we need palm oil? You know, why can't I make something from scratch or why can't we just, you know, buy something more local that might not have palm oil that's grown across the world in it. And uh, the reason why we are actually not proponents of boycotting palm oil is because when you look at its productivity, it's actually the most productive edible vegetable oil plant that we have right now. So you can take, you know, one square acre of palm, compare it to soy and canola slash rapeseed or coconut or olive, for example, and it's going to make four to 10 times more oil, that little square um, acre mile than any other edible vegetable oil. So it produces a lot more. So you need a lot less land. And I think a lot of people, you know, palm oil has been in the hot seat for so long, but a lot of those other crops are also grown in tropical areas. So like soy, for example, is um, it's grown in the U.S. Absolutely. It's, it's a big commodity in, you know, the Midwest in particular, but a lot of the soy that we consume is also being grown in the Amazon, which is another really important, you know, tropical area that we want to protect. So we have to be looking at, you know, what's, what's the bigger picture, where are other commodities from and which one's going to have the least impact. And if we were to all to boycott palm oil tomorrow, then we would have to just greatly increase the amount of soy that's being produced. Because actually soy would probably be the next commodity that would kind of take its place because in terms of um, 
its makeup and, and practical uses, it's the most similar to palm oil. Uh, so it'd probably be soy. And then all of our forests are just going to get turned uh, turned into to crops for soy. Um, so it's not really a, a good alternative. And it's it's an interesting one. And I think it, it can apply to a lot of, you know, different conservation issues. Um, you know, what might seem like the first, uh, you know, action that we should take maybe isn't the best one in the long run, like straws, for example. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, we should just have reusable straws and reusable straws are great for a lot of reasons for people who, who need to use a straw for a variety of, um, you know, uses. But what about sometimes maybe we just don't need a straw with our drink? You know, if you don't absolutely need a straw in terms of your physical ability to drink something, um, maybe just skip the straw, right? Because when we when we make a plastic straw that can be reused many times, that straw is probably just gonna end up in the trash eventually. Um, so it's kind of like looking at a, a conservation issue and, you know, tracing it all the way back. And it's thinking about all the different impacts that it can have. Um, and different people need different things, um, but, I think it's important to to recognize, and so that's kind of always what I talk to people about when they when they first bring up like, oh yeah, I heard palm oil was bad, and I should boycott. And I'm like, well, what about the other oils um, <laughs> you've asked before? Because that's I think just an equally as valid question that should be asked. Actually, the other thing I think that's important is you know I talked about the roundtable on sustainable palm oil. I mentioned it really briefly, um, but just so people kind of have an understanding of of what that means. Um, like I said, it's a nonprofit, but it brings together all the stakeholders of the palm oil industry. So not only is that people who grow palm oil um, or will grow oil palms and then harvest the, the little fruits and make palm oil, um, it also includes investors, it includes companies who use it in their products, it includes uh, environmental nonprofits like the Shine Mountain Zoo. Um, we're actually a member of the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil. And it also includes um, human rights nonprofit groups. And we're all working together to make sure that sustainable palm oil is, you know, in fact, sustainable and like what that means. So we're talking no deforestation. Um, so you can't cut down any high conservation value forests. You can't cut down any high carbon stock forests. You know that, you know, if you did cut down, it could release too much carbon dioxide and we don't want climate change. Um, and <laughs> fire to repair land, which is um, really detrimental in a lot of ways. You know, it monitors use of pesticides. It, it talks about... Um, how they treat the people working on the ground. So like protections for women and children, like no child labor whatsoever, no slave labor, um, giving you know equal rights to women who work in these areas, um, you know, maternity leave, uh, menstrual leave, uh, fair wages, that kind of stuff. So it's really, it's really all encompassing. Um, I definitely recommend people check out the RSPO. They can go to rspo.org and look at all of their information. Um, to kind of wrap their heads around it, but it, it's it's huge reach within the pommel industry. They they have their fingers in so many areas, um, and it's so needed and it's so cool. So you can find information on that website. If people want to find the app, what they, what would they be searching for? Yeah, um, they can just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, and if they just type in like sustainable palm oil, um, usually it's the first the first one that pops up. But you can recognize that there's a, a green orangutan logo, um, and it'll say Shine Mountain Zoo, and that's the app you're going to want to download. Awesome. And then if people were interested in connecting with you or any of the other conservation work that the zoo does, where could they find you on social media? 
Yeah. So um, if they want to look at the work the zoo is doing, you know, we have a website, cmzoo.org. Um, but then to contact me specifically and learn more about palm oil and actually, um, you know, connecting with other conservation areas of the zoo, they can email our palm oil team at palmoil at cmzoo.org. Um, and that'll send a, a really nice email to our entire palm oil team. We have um, not just me, but a lot of uh, staff at the zoo, including keepers and development and membership. Um, you know, so all these awesome individuals at the zoo who are really passionate about the issue as well and dedicate um, their time to it beyond their normal jobs. Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting and sharing. Yeah, thank you, Casey. This has been um, really cool. And I hope people can learn a little bit about palm oil and conservation and how tech might play into that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to my chat with Chelsea about the conservation work the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo is doing, specifically with palm oil. You can find the link to download the sustainable palm oil shopping app from the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. The links are in the show notes, along with the contact information if you want to reach out to Chelsea and her team. Be sure to follow She Sparks Tech on Twitter and Instagram if you aren't already, and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I will catch you again in two weeks to share another story of a woman sparking tech.